0: We come before you as beggars begging for bread, as those who are thirsty in need of water. Lord God, we know that you are the only one that truly sustains. You are the only one that gives true strength. Uh, so we come before you today, Lord God, uh, that you would replenish us, and that you would lift us up, encourages us, encourage us, and put us on the tracks of your righteousness. So, Father, have your way in our midst today, Lord God, and we ask you all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Would you turn with me to Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 3. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 3. This section of scripture begins... with uh, Paul mentioning about what he's going to say and how it originates in the grace of God, right? So Paul is saying uh, here beginning in verse 3 that what he needs to say that it uh, finds its origin in God's grace. Now, this is extremely important how we think about God's word. And whether we think or not, if a person has uh, the right to say that they are speaking what thus says the Lord, or is it only their opinion? Because we know that our world is not short of opinions from anyone. But the reason that we're here today is because we want to hear what God says. Uh, You don't want to hear all my opinions about everything. You wanna hear, well, what is God saying to me today, this day, this Sunday? Paul often rides that wave back and forth throughout his writings, sometimes clearly realizing that what he says that it has the backing and the authority of God and other times he knows it's nothing but his opinion. In other words, when it comes to his opinion, Paul says you can take it or leave it, but when it comes to God himself, this is something that you must follow. As an example, First Corinthians chapter 7. First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. Now here's Paul. He's ready to give instructions to marry people from a single person's point of view. So why listen to someone who's single about marriage? I wouldn't listen to them. They don't know what they're talking about, right? Uh, 1 Corinthians 7, beginning in verse 10, Paul says this, and, and look at what's written here in the ESV. He says, to the married, I give this charge. Not I, but whom? Okay, uh, uh, come on, you gotta do better than that now. He says, to the married, I give this charge. Not I, but whom? The The Lord. And then what does he say? He says, the wife should not separate from her husband, but if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. And then verse 12, he says, to the rest, I say, and then what does it say? It says, I, and then what does he say? Not the Lord. So in other words, he's saying here, verse 12, that this is kind of my opinion of what you heard before comes from the Lord, but this is what I'm thinking. So he says, to the rest, I say, I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife, who is an unbeliever, and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. All right now, we're not going to go and talk about the marriage of divorce and separation and, and staying together. That's not the point. The point is that Paul, he understands that sometimes that he speaks exactly what God says, does he not? And other times he's absolutely clear that what he's saying is, is his opinion. But even Paul's opinion at the time rises to the level of Scripture. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. So now here in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, Paul clearly understood that God gave him, he says, the grace. Right? So it says here, verse 3 for Romans 12, 3, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone right? So he's saying that the grace that he has, that he's operating in the authority, in the understanding, and with the ability that comes from on high. He's almost speaking in a prophetic voice. And he's speaking specifically about the issue he's about to set forth. So Oh, what is the job of the believer? What is the job of the person who's hearing these words? And that is to listen carefully and receive what the Lord says. Can you say amen? So Paul is saying that if what he's about to say is because of the grace of God, and we know grace is God's unmerited favor, it is something that he has bestowed upon us, not that we have earned it, but something that he has decided to give us. So if he's saying that God has given him the grace to say what he's about to say, then from a listener's standpoint of view, then we need to take pay attention and take notes. Can you say amen to that? So, what is the word that is coming from the Lord? What is Paul talking about? What is he saying to us today? And here it is, you're going to love this. Don't think you are more than what you are. (laughs) Amen? Don't think you are more than what you are. Romans 12, verse 3. He says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he or she ought to think, but to think, he says, with a sober judgment, uh, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. You got to look at that carefully now, right? For by the grace given to me, I just explained that, that God gave him the grace to say what he's about to say, uh, that uh, you are not to think of yourself more highly than you. In other words, don't think that you are all that and a bag of chips when you ain't nothing but an empty bag. Amen. Amen? So this sounds as if it's coming from nowhere. But then we know it doesn't come from nowhere as this verse begins with the word for, right? Uh, And you already know, just like if you saw the word therefore at the beginning of the verse, or you see the word for, if you see the word but at the beginning of the verse, you know there's something else that came before it, amen? And it is your job to go and discover what came before that but, that because or that for, have I begin with a larger context, in which uh, chapter 11, Paul, chapter 10, for that matter, uh, that Paul uh, he spoke about Israel and their disobedience, and because Israel was disobedience to the Gentiles, that's us. That's you and I, and you know if you were in Sunday school, uh, the goy, the goyim, as they would call us, uh, that we were able to reap the benefits, namely salvation, because of their disobedience. The idea is just because you, uh, as Paul is saying, as a Gentile there in Romans 11, may have salvation, doesn't mean it's time to start boasting and to become arrogant about it. Amen? It's not time uh, for you to start saying, na-na-na-na-na-na, because I have salvation and you don't. Uh, Paul says that's the wrong attitude, uh, that you are wrong. This arrogance, it appears, when we think we're better than the Jew, or for that matter, when we think we're better than anyone else. Because at the end of the day, we are all saved by the grace of God. Amen? It is by the grace of God that we go. In fact, uh, this idea of how we think, uh, Paul, he also addressed that here at the beginning of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And in verse 2, he says, and you may be familiar with this, uh, Paul says, Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your what? Of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is good, I call it gap, right? Good, acceptable, and perfect. God's will. I only deem that God only has one will. Some say his, his, uh, his perfect will and his acceptable will. I say God only has one will. That's my thought. That's my opinion. Amen. Uh, so our minds should be renewed in Christ or be in that process, especially when something ungodly becomes lodged in it. Uh, when ungodly thoughts are lodged into our minds, we should quickly come before the Lord in prayer. We should quickly uh, come to God's word to see what God says or we should quickly go to a brother and sister in the faith who's strong enough, who's wise enough to understand to help put us back on track. So don't think you're all of that when you are not. In other words, uh, don't have an exaggerated opinion of yourself. Don't have an exaggerated opinion of yourself. And I would say don't have a too high opinion of yourself or even a too low of an opinion of yourself. Uh, Some of us, we have have the opposite problem. It's not that we are boastful. Our problem for some is that uh, we think that we're nothing. But the bottom line that we are something, but our something in which we are, we are because of Christ Jesus. So you are, you are not nothing, right? Double negative, right? I said, don't do that. Don't say that. Don't write that. You are not nothing. You are somebody, not because you are a body walking around, but you are somebody because Jesus is somebody. So you are not nothing, but you are not all that even. You are who Christ says that you are. So we have a standard in the body of Christ, and the standard by which we live, the standard by which we operate is according to the faith that God has given us. Again, Romans 12, 3, and I need to read this again, for by the grace given to me I say to everyone among you not to think of himself or herself more highly than they ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Each According to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Listen to that. Listen to that, because I know you're saying to yourself, but wait a minute, I have faith to believe. Are you saying that God has given me, uh, has assigned for me a measure of faith to believe? Just hold on. I don't want you to get mixed up here. I don't want you to get, hit get the, uh, the cart ahead of the horse. So how should we measure ourselves spiritually? How do, you, how do you know how far along you are? Right? And this plays hand in hand with what I mentioned earlier about the renewal of the mind be transformed by the renewal of your mind, uh, that by testing you may discern whether it is the will of God, right? Uh, God wants our minds to be renewed. We must be in a position uh, that God wants to do something uh, great, transformative, uh, transformative in our lives. So in other words, in order to pull this off, that is measuring yourself, measuring ourselves spiritually, we must first have a renewed mind. If a renewed mind through Christ Jesus is in place, then we can broach the subject of spiritually measuring ourselves because some of what uh, is needed, uh, in essence, uh, it wars against our default mechanism. You know, because sometimes we don't always wanna do the things that are right, amen? Uh, You know that sometimes you don't wanna do the things that are right before God. And you try to do things right, and then all of a sudden you go left. So if it goes against how we think normally what God wants to do, then the Holy Spirit must be in place. And it all starts by not thinking more highly of yourself than you ought. And then when you do that, we know the Holy Spirit is at work. So measure your faith according to the faith that has been allotted specifically to you. Now this is a little trickier in that uh, we must ask ourselves, uh, how much or to what degree has faith been proportioned to us? So each of us, each of you, uh, you have a portion of faith allotted to you from God. Now, else we are mistaken right out of the gate. Uh, let us not think of uh, of this faith uh, that, that God has one giant pie. Amen? And, uh, and so God, he takes this giant faith pie and he cuts it in half. And he cuts it in quarters. And he cuts it... And eights, and he cuts it, and he cuts it, and he cuts it. And then he says, you take this amount, and you take this light. Everybody gets an equal amount. It does not work like that. Why? Because number one, uh, the, uh, what God can give according to his faith pie is unlimited. Unlimited as far as uh, the faith that is required to what Paul is going to talk about in one moment. So how much faith has God allotted you? Uh, Again, hopefully you understand though that here in this context that, that Paul is not speaking of the same faith that's required for salvation. All right, there we go. All right, so sometimes a word can be used in a different context to mean something slightly different. And this is one of those cases. Here, Paul is not talking about the faith for salvation. All right, amen? Paul is not talking about the faith for salvation here, he's not talking about redemption per se, even though it's all connected. Uh, This faith that God gives, and this is important, is to accomplish the will of God according to the giftings that he has given you. Ah, there it is. This faith here is to accomplish the will of God according to the giftings that he has given you. Let's try it again, because maybe you didn't hear me. Uh, This faith here is to operate within what God has gifted you according to his will, right? So God has given you a gift, you a gift, you a gift. Everybody gets a gift who belongs to Jesus. So what? gift has he given you. Let's very quickly, Romans 12, let's look at verse six, beginning in verse six. Paul says here, beginning in verse six, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So in other words, however God has gifted you, and and by the way, this gift here is not, these giftings here is not exhausted. Uh, Paul did not lift every single gift as an example. Uh, Some people are extremely gifted in music. Amen? Uh, Do we see that gifting here in Scripture? And the answer is what? No, you don't see it. You don't see it in Ephesians 4. You don't see it in 1 Corinthians. You don't see music anywhere there. But yet we know, just like David, uh, King David, that God had given him a gift of music, a gift of worship. So don't think to yourself that this list is totally exhaustive. However, it, is, it serves as a guide and it's true that these giftings should be present in the church. So here in Romans 12, we see the gifts of prophecy, of service, teaching, exhortation, financial generosity, leadership, and mercy. So again, I tell you, even though this list is not exhaustive, I tell you within the body of Christ that these gifts Should be present. Amen. I'll say it again. These gifts should be present in the body of Christ. Did you hear me? All right. No, I don't think everybody did. I said these gifts should be present in the body of Christ. And you say, amen. Amen. They should be present. There's others. But these, I would say, are, are like some of those foundational things that should be there. And again, you could probably think of more, but at least we have a few that are extremely important within the church. So uh, what happens is the Lord, he allocates faith based on what he decides to do within the body of Christ and through his grace. This grace to operate within this gifting is like how Paul spoke about speaking these things in God's grace, what we talked about at the very beginning of Romans chapter 12. He says, for by the grace given to me, See, Paul was, was there saying that God had given him a, given him a grace, a, a gift, in order to say these things. It's almost like he had a prophetic voice. See, this is what he's saying. So, uh, this grace, right, is something that is uh, prevalent within the body of Christ, so that means if you are saved, then you have a gift. Can you say amen? If you are saved, you have a gift, amen? I want you to say this out loud. If I am saved, I have a gift from God. Let's try it again, if I am saved, I have, a gift from God. I have a gift from God. Are you using it? So if you have a gift from God, are you using it? Huh? thing is, though, uh, even though that God has given us his grace and given us these gifts, that they all are different. Amen? Isn't that a great thing? Can you say amen? Aren't you glad that your gift is not like someone else? Your gift is not like anyone else. For that, you should be very happy. Uh, Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. Paul says here, again, this is Paul speaking. Now there are various varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. Uh, all right. So Paul says that there are a lot of different gifts. There's different gifts, amen. But the same what? Spirit. Okay. Paul says here what that there is a lot of different gifts, but the same what? Spirit. So what should that tell you? That if God gives giftings within the body of Christ, and there is it's the same spirit. You don't have to worry about nobody stepping on each other's toes. Amen? You ain't got to worry about brother so-and-so. You don't have to worry about sister, uh, sister Moesha. Amen? All uh, right? Uh, I don't like her. How come you don't like her? She thinks she can come up here and do the same thing that I'm doing. Don't worry about that because God has a lane just for you in the church. Amen? you have a unique lane within the body of Christ well I can't use my gift and, and, and you know that's one of the problems one of the major problems is that uh, someone else uh, sees another person using a gift that's similar to theirs and then they want to they wanna take their place uh-huh. you see they want to take their place but see God has a unique place just for them Instead of instead of waiting and allow, allowing God to develop them within that local body, they just want to move somebody else out of the way, amen, when God has already established certain things. So God may have gifted you, but the bottom line is that uh, God, uh, uh, he will not step on his own toes. Okay, now, uh, Uh, Again, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, I started. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So there's unity. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So your gift that God has given within the body of Christ He does it for what? For the common? Good. He does it for everyone. So think about this for a moment. If God has given you a gift and you never use it in the church, then by golly, what in the world are you doing? If God has given you a gift and you are not using it within the body of Christ, then what in the world are you doing? Huh. You waiting around? You waiting around for somebody to say, hey, come on, use your gift. And then when they tell you to use your gift, you still don't want to use your gift. Why would God give you the gift if he wants you to sit on it? I, I bet you... Uh, I bet you any money, if you had uh, a couple of thousand dollars in your pocket, you wouldn't sit on it, would you? You'd be like, oh, let me go spend it or put it in the bank or do something. Imagine if you go to a birthday party of someone and you hand your friend a birthday gift, and they take the gift and they put it over to the side and they never, ever, ever, ever open it. What are you gonna think? Why did I even give it to them in the first place? So if you are a follower of Christ, right, and God has given you a gift, you see, once you are born again, uh, inherent within your spiritual DNA is the gifting of God. And when you are born again, God has placed a gifting DNA within you. Again, the question is, are you using it or are you not using it? So, going. on. I want to keep reading in First Corinthians to I keep going back here. Let's just go ahead and finish this up real quick. Uh 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Uh, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another, faith by the same spirit, to another, gifts of healing by one, by the one spirit, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy. Uh, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So Romans 12, six, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, Paul says if that's true, let us use them. So the Lord, he allocates faith based on what he decides to do within the body of Christ and through his grace. This grace to operate within this gifting, again, that it's in your DNA. It's already there. <laughs> the bottom line is God gave you enough faith to operate in the gifting he has placed in you. You already have it. You don't need nobody to lay hands on you, amen? You don't need nobody to come and and speak something into your life uh, because God has already given it to you. You already have it. It's already there. Therefore, if you have it, don't measure yourself according to some, how someone else is operating in their giftings, amen? Now you can model yourself after them, but you will never ever, as long as you live, you will never ever be them. Because after the Lord made you, he broke the mold. Can you say amen? Amen. After God made you, he says, you are my original. After God made you, he said, look at my beautiful child, uh, that there is no one like her. There is no one like him on this planet. Uh, What a beautiful creation now made in my image uh, through Jesus Christ. So when we try to operate to the gifts or level of, of faith according to our friend or some competitor, then we disregard what God has done in us. So we don't look at another to determine how much we should be doing and to what extent. Don't look at someone else. What is God doing in me? On the other hand, neither are we to measure ourselves according to ourselves. Right? Uh, Sound kind of funny there. Uh, Don't measure yourself according to you. Oh, this is how much I can do. This is how much I can do. I can only go to this far. This is really dangerous because now you are still limiting God's grace according to what you think that you can or cannot do. As I explained to you many times before, I never thought in a million years that I would ever be standing up here doing what I'm doing. Never in a million years. Never. Never, I told uh, uh, people before, and this is, this is the honest to God's truth, that I would have became a garbage man first before ever thinking about becoming a pastor and preaching to people. I would have been a garbage man first. That was last on my list. Hey, in fact, when I was in college, when it came time to do uh, communication classes. You know, I'm like, man, I, you know, I didn't want to do that. I had note cards and all of the kinds of stuff. I did not want to do it. Man, I try to try to fake my way on through. I didn't want to do it for anything. You know, I get up in front of folks in my mind, I'd just get all scrambled. you know? I, I'm uncomfortable. I mean, I'm a, I'm a total wreck, a total wreck. It is so weird. Isn't that weird? And even as a musician, believe it or not, I'm a nervous person, that as a musician, that I love music as a kid, I loved it. I was terrified to play before people. I love music, it was fun, but I was absolutely terrified to be in front of people. Then I remember one day, I think I, I said to myself, man, you finally got this thing licked after all these years. You know, I was no longer terrified. And then one day, I was in a performance in Europe and this guy, I was you know, just you know, doing my thing. I'm just playing. And this guy came with a television camera, and he was like this close to my face. You know what happened to me? I came undone. Because now I'm thinking to myself, there's already a lot of people in the audience, I'm thinking to myself now people all over the world looking at me. I mean, I, mean, I just came totally undone. But eventually God, he repaired that as well. You see, what happens is, if you're uncertain about your gifts, That God has put in you, that God will encourage you. God will fix you. Shoot, you're looking at a guy who who failed third grade, huh? And then he went on to to make a double in seventh grade? What kind of nonsense is that? You see? You see, if you're willing to allow God to work with you that God can use you, God can use you. What are you waiting on? What are you afraid of? How much are you willing to believe God for in what you do as a member of the body of Christ? Hmm. It is the church who is the primary recipient of your gifts. Huh. So you bring your gift to church, but you never present it to the church. You bring your birthday present to the birthday party, but you never give the present to the birthday girl, or the birthday boy. What kind of nonsense is that? Amen? Some of you are saying, is he talking about me? Yes and no, right? If I'm talking about you, I'm not talking about you. If I'm not talking about you, then I am talking about you, right? What kind of sense does it make to go through all the trouble, to have a gift, have it wrapped neatly, to go to the birthday party or to go to the anniversary party, to walk in the door, you have the gift in your hand. They're like, welcome, welcome. They're looking at you. They're looking at your gift, looking at you. You come in. You enjoy yourself. And then what happens? You take the gift and you walk and you go right back home. Some people do that within the body of Christ, in the church. They come in happy. Oh, I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. They come with their nicely uh, wrapped gift with the bowls and the shining and everything else. Oh, I'm so glad to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, they don't uh, present the gift before the Lord, before the church. And then when church is over with, uh, they're like, uh, let me take my gift back and go on back home. And then, of course, they change their mind next time. Amen? They come into the church with their gift, oh, here's my gift, but they never use it. Then they take their gift right back home. Why did God give you the gift in the first place? Romans 12, verse four and five. For as in one body, we have many members, and members do not all have the same function, So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So we're clearly part of the same body. We're part of one another, we've already said that. So we get our meaning and purpose from God first, but also we are interconnected with one another. In other words, without The body, what good is the arm? Without your head, what good are your ears? Without your fingers, what good is the palm of your hand? So if we were now to reflect again on verse 3 here in Romans 12, where scripture says don't think more highly of yourself than you should, then it comes into perspective now. Imagine if one of your legs were to say to the rest of your body, oh, I'm better than the rest of y'all because I hold you up. Your legs will say, I hold you up. You want to get to point A to point B fast? I will cause you to run there fast. You want to get there slow? I will make you go slow. And your legs say, yeah, I'm all that. Then your legs end up saying, I don't need you, we are the star of the show. Number one, what happens to the legs without the body? And then what happens to the body without the legs? Can you imagine having a head with no ears? So interesting, um, I think it was this past week There was, uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to even say I'm not even sure if it's true. It looked like it was true. It was like an infant born in India with that had uh, two heads. I'm not even sure if it was true. It looked like it was real, but I have to backtrack because these days you just don't know anymore. Amen. You you, you just, it looked like it was really real. So I'm going to stop looking at that. Now that I think about it, you stop looking at that. But imagine, you know. Uh, Just having, imagine if my head was bigger than the rest of my body. Imagine if my head was this big, this wide, and this tall, and I have little bitty feet walking around. Imagine that, Mr. Potato Head. You see, we can boast of great things and all that we are and all that we are not, but at the end of the day, we are nothing without the context of the rest of the body of believers. So when you decide you are better than all other believers, then you are setting yourself up for a dramatic fall from grace because then and only then will you begin to realize that your gifting is only useful within the context of the church body. We are, however, members of one another, even though we don't have the same functions. How much faith do you have in order to operate in your spiritual DNA? Some of you are employed in various fields and do an outstanding job to the glory of God. For many of you, you had to to learn uh, to do your work with great professionalism and with great excellence. Uh, So to get to that level, you needed to develop your skills through extended education, seminars, and learning from mentors, right? It all didn't come so easily, but after you acquired the skill, you now know how much a part of you are to your company or your corporation. The point is that you had to take a chance to figure it all out, or you had to take a chance to learn and to become better and better over time, and sometimes it works that way with your giftings, that the latency of that gifting is sometimes it takes experience, and sometimes it takes a mentor to help it develop to its fullness, A toddler would never learn to walk if it never tried to walk. Falling down is a part of the process. But now we are professional walkers, aren't we? We didn't go to school to learn how to walk. Did you go to school to learn how to walk? Maybe some of you did. I don't think most of us went to school to learn how to walk. We did have relatives and friends encourage us to walk some that held us up. We did need assistance in walking in the beginning, yet uh, through consistent trial and error, eventually we grew into professional walkers. When it comes to the church, why are things so different? I've seen people afraid or even embarrassed to operate in their giftings within the body of Christ, not even try. The Greek philosopher Heraclitus once said, you could not step twice in the same river. In other words, it is never the same because the water changes in the shape and the texture of that river changes every moment of the day. Never again we have an opportunity to use your gift in the moment that God calls you. So if God has given you a gift as a born-again believer, and he has, it means he has given you his DNA for the sake of the rest of us. So my encouragement to you today is to walk in that confidence. Don't be arrogant about it, no. But be a part of the body of Christ just as God intended it. Give it a shot. Trust me the body of Christ will be blessed because of your obedience. Amen? Let's pray.